Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Welcome to or welcome back to Gardening Naturally. What a weather pattern. I mean, we are looking at some truly stellar weather. We need more rain. Nobody will deny that. But we're talking mid-70s for highs and mid-50s for lows. That is beautiful. That is, that is everything green is going to be growing. Now, I just got texted by someone, and this is a, a, a very important text that I hadn't considered, which I should have, because I spent yesterday uh, down in the weeds. Folks, it is warming up. You know what that means? Snakes. They will start coming out of dormancy. And that will be a surprise for some of us. And the thing about it is we have to simply be remembering this. Fortunately, it's still a little cool at night, but you're going to see them start waking up with these daytime temperatures. And they're going to wake up hungry, probably aggressive. So... Don't forget, while you're out there taking advantage of this weather, you're going to you're going to uh, not be the only one out there. Just be prepared. Let's go to the phone. This is Dan. Dan, what can I help you with? Hello. Yes, sir. I was calling about a Santa Rosa plum. Yes. It, it's been in the ground about five years, but I've never cut it back, and I'm not sure exactly how far to go back. If I should go to where it branches at the very top and cut it back to a stub, or how far do I cut it back? Uh, and I had one more question after that. Texas A&M University it, if you go to what's called the Texas AgriLife, they have um, they have all kinds of recommendations on how to properly prune plums, peaches, apples, pears. They've got pretty good examples they'll show you, so that you can, uh, you know, it's not just oh do this and blindly hope that it's right but you can you can find examples on how to get it pruned you really need to look at a picture telling you is not really going to click on all cylinders for everybody you really need to see how they are pruning it and uh agrilife has a good website that has that information on it. Okay. Uh, the next question I had was uh, about, 
I have a Don Juan, two Don Juan roses. And, of course, they're climbing roses, but I cut them back every year. And uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but they get these long canes. And uh, I was going to cut it back, and I'm wondering, will those? is it possible to uh, root those canes in any place or not? You can try it. Roses, roses can be rooted fairly easily, fairly easily. You want some rooting hormone and you want like six inch to eight inch long cuttings. Dip it in the rooting hormone and put it in a potting soil or something like that that's easy to keep moist. And you you can get a rose uh, to root that way. Now, if you've got a big rose, you can take multiple cuttings at one time and get like a five-gallon container, fill it with a good light soil, and start all of them like a community pot. And that way you'll be able to take out the ones that are, in fact, rooting for you, no pun intended, and uh, plant those, pot those up into a different plant as they get bigger until they're ready to go in the ground. And should they be cut like at a 45-degree angle or 90-degree, you know, what, does it make any difference? That is, it doesn't really make any difference. You're not going to make enough of a difference on the angle of the cut. The rooting hormone is going to make the most difference. So whatever you make the cut. I use that all the time. Yeah. That's going to be the most difference in getting that rose to uh, root for you. Okay, well, I appreciate your information, and I thank you for your show. Thank you for the call, Dan. Yeah, folks, rooting hormone can help a lot of plants get started. There are plenty of plants that the only thing you can do, hey, stick them in a glass of water. You'll be able to watch them put on roots. Sometimes a little help from the rooting hormone can make a big difference. Let's go to the phone. This is Bo. Bo, what can I help you with? Yeah, Jeff, uh, I've got a couple of questions for you. Yeah. Um, number one, is there such a thing as a uh, um, miniature uh, sunshine ligustrum? Yes. Okay. Uh, are they pretty available at the nurseries, do you think? Mm, that kind of depends. Ligustrums okay. are usually thought of as invasive plants. Uh-huh. Not every not every ligustrum may cause that problem, but many of them can. So kind of up to you or up to the nursery as to whether or not they will have them or want to sell them. Okay. Yeah, I read somewhere where they were non-evasive. That's why I'm thinking about them. You could try that. Yeah, they are that uh, glow-in-the-dark yellow. You know, they're really bright colored. Uh Uh-huh. 
they are um, there's something you can get. They're listed as non-invasive and uh, deer deer resistant. So those are two real big important things about them. Right. But you're going to have to call around to find a nursery around here or near you that carries them. Okay. And then my second question was, um, my plants, I covered them up for the freeze uh, with some bed sheets, but they still took a little bit of a beating. Um, is there anything we can do for them now, like seaweed or has to grow, or what do you recommend? Seaweed is always a benefit to your planet. Uh, planet, sorry, plants, and that will really uh, that will really help it recover. Okay. So and I, I that did, will be something that works. Okay. I did put seaweed on them before. Well, I normally use seaweed periodically, and before the freeze, I gave them another shot of seaweed. So, give it another one now. Yeah, the thing is, you can do that about once a month forever. You won't okay. overdose the plant, and it will help it build up some really important qualities about it. So, no, okay. once a month is probably a happy medium. You don't have to do it daily or weekly. Even every two weeks maybe more than it needs. So once a month forever. You do it now, it'll help it get through the summer. You do it in the summer, it'll help it get through next winter. Yep, okay. Yeah, I normally hit it once a month with the seaweed. Okay. And would it hurt to put down um, um, soil activator right now on, your, on the yards? Nope. That will There's not no damage the yard or hurt. That'll... That's fine to do it now. Okay. Even though the grass is dormant? Yep. Because the okay. soil is still alive, and you want to keep it that way. Uh-huh. Okay. All righty, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Bo. Folks, I got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Welcome back, everybody. I uh, got a text here. I am not one to get into or in between an argument between a husband and wife. Okay? Nope. I know better than that. I am happily married, and that's why I'm happily married. But is it possible to put too much mulch at the base of a tree? Yes, it is possible. You never want to have mulch build up around the trunk of the tree. You want a four-inch gap a four-inch circle around the trunk of the tree where no mulch touches inside that four-inch circle. It's just bare ground where the tree goes into the soil. Can you have too much mulch? Yes, you can. If the mulch gets too thick, 
it can have an issue where you get rain, but you don't get enough rain to actually soak through the mulch to get to the soil. Now that's pretty thick mulch when you get to that point, but it can happen. Usually two to four inches is all you would need for heavy duty mulch around a tree. And it never touches the trunk, never. You do not make volcanoes. And I am sorry to say there are way too many landscapers out there who still do this. Now, to be fair, I can't tell you whether they're still doing it because the customer wants it that way or because they still don't know better. If you mulch up against the base of a tree, you promote rot because the mulch will stay wet and start to decompose and the fungus and critters that decompose the mulch will also attack the trunk of the tree. So no mulch up against the stem, the trunk of a plant. But of course, again, um, I don't get into arguments between husbands and wives. Not me, no, 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 no. <laughs> so, Let's go through some of the questions I've been sent here. Um, is it too late to plant fruit trees? No, not at all. Not at all. As a matter of fact, there are a few fruit trees that'll be coming in all summer long. Figs, um, we'll start seeing citrus about April. Uh, we will get some of the containered peach trees. They can be planted now. Pomegranates can be planted at almost any time of the year. So no, it is not too late. It is not too late to plant a fruit tree. This is a really good time for it. Most of your nurseries, your local nurseries, will be getting in their fruit trees now, and they will be ones that are ready to grow here. You can go to a big box store and they'll say, here's a peach tree, and it will put on peaches. But unless they say what the chill hours are, it depends on whether you'll get a uh, harvest or not. It's what you're shooting for, but you don't know that the peach tree they sent you is one that needs a lot more or a lot less chill hours than we get here. That's where your local nursery, local independent nurseries, they are the key. Go do business with them. You will get so much better results. Um, I got a question about, is it time to cut back asparagus? 
more than likely, we got a freeze, but it was such a late freeze. Yeah, if you haven't cut back your asparagus, you can probably do it now just fine. With the temperatures we're looking at, I wouldn't be surprised to see asparagus shoots coming up soon. So cutting back the fronds and getting them out of the way, top dress with a half inch compost across the top, you should get a great crop of asparagus. Oh, this is an interesting question also, folks. I have a heat map for my seed tray. I don't normally have one, but we decided to try one this year. It sure appears to be working well. I'm getting seeds, especially seeds that would be considered a little older, ones that have been in the package a while, uh, to germinate fairly quickly. I also have the seed tray because I have certain seeds that require greater soil temperature than the seed tray is going to provide in my home. I'm really hoping that's going to work because we're looking forward to this plant. But seed trays, we turn them on and leave them on. I don't turn them off. They're only intended to add like 10 to 15 degrees of temperature to the soil. So they really aren't going to get that hot. For those of you, I'm going to age myself here. For those of you who used to have water beds, if you remember, you never turned that thing off, did you? Nope. You didn't because it took so long to warm the water bed up. It ran 24-7. Your seed tray should be able to run 24-7. And that should work out well to get your seeds started. Um, I got sent a text asking if You can use um, Epsom salts. Does Epsom salt hurt landscaping? Yes and no. Many Epsom salts is magnesium sulfate. Magnesium is a difficult element to provide in the soil. You can take magnesium, uh, Epsom salts, take a ounce of them, throw them in a gallon of water, shake it up really good, and pour the water on the plants. You can actually drench the plant directly. You can foliar feed it, etc., And that helps provide magnesium, which is critical in the production of fruit and flower. Read a great article yesterday about Epsom salts are also highly effective at getting rid of tree stumps. I had been telling people, drill holes in them, fill it with fertilizer, soak it, keep it damp, it'll break down much faster. Replace fertilizer now with Epsom salts. 
lots of them. Pack it in there, wet them down once, try to keep it moist, and you can get a tree trunk to decompose, according to this article, in three to six months. I'll take that. Normally, it takes three to 10 years for a tree trunk to decompose. You're going to tell me I can do it in six months? I have several trees I need to get rid of. Guess what I'll be trying? And you can get up some salt at your local grocery store. They're great uh, relaxation to take a bath and Epsom salts relieves muscle pain and things like that. So you can use Epsom salt in your landscape. Just be careful about overdoing it. Mixing it with water, you can dry fill a hole. You can dust Epsom salt into a hole that you're going to plant a plant in but it's not a large quantity. Don't overdo it. This is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break for the news. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back everybody going to be a gorgeous day, but it's going to be windy. They, uh, high wind until six o'clock tonight, 20 to 35 mile an hour would be normal. By gusting to 40 or 50, 40 or 50 mile an hour gust. That's pretty intense, folks. That's a lot more than I would like to deal with. Make sure that your outdoor stuff is secure or out of the wind or whatever. Nail it down wherever you have to so you're not winding up having to knock on the neighbor's door and ask them to give it back. That happens. One windstorm while I was here in Austin um, I wound up with a new um, satellite dish for satellite TV. That was weird. It was one of the old style. It was like 12 feet across. But the wind caught it, ripped it out of its mountain, flipped it over my fence and was in my backyard. The neighbor and I had a good laugh about it. Um, but that was the wind and it was terrible. So be ready out there. Stuff is going to be flying. And of course, you know what that means, too. Cedar is going to go crazy. This kind of wind, oh my, it's going to be terrible. Cedar numbers are going to go way up. That's what we deal with, right? That is what we have to deal with here in Texas. It would be nice, much nicer, if we didn't have cedar pollen. But that would mean we didn't have the junipers and the beauty they provide. Yes, I know people hate the cedar, 
but those trees are really valuable to our landscape. They truly are. So be ready for that. Be ready for that this week. It's it's going to be Sneeze City for a couple of days at least. Now, do the winds affect your trees? Oh, yeah, they do. You will see tree branches whipping in the wind. And the problem is the whole central trunk can be moving back and forth. Now, it's possible you move branches, the trunk, parts of the tree so far that they don't break, but they may crack. And they may break off some bark. That doesn't mean the tree is going to die or there's a problem. But you have to pay attention to it. And here's why. If the tree moves back and forth and you wind up cracking the trunk, of course that weakens the tree. It also gives the possibility for disease to get in there. Now, you can reduce the damage to your trees by making sure you keep them trimmed. Properly trimmed trees can handle higher wind, are less risk in an ice storm. They don't, uh, they don't take a chance of dropping branches, big branches, on you, your car, your kids, the driveway. So it's really important when we get this kind of weather to be ahead of the game. Have you taken care of those kind of things? And this goes for shrubs too. I have a eight foot tall mountain laurel. In a heavy windstorm, you can see it just shaking like crazy. And I know it is taking damage along its branches. So I have to come out after the storm and get a good look at it to make sure, wow, it didn't make a terrible break that's going to cause a problem for the plant. It may have, and I'll have to address it. Crepe myrtles, too. They're, uh, they, can, they can break one of their trunks, and you might not notice it for a very long time. If they do, you usually can just cut it out and the rest of the crepe myrtle will do just fine. Y'all have to work to kill a crepe myrtle. They do so well here. They are so strong in the Texas environment. Most of our trees now should pretty much be naked. Between the frost these kind of high winds, you're going to see your trees are going to shred their shed their leaves quickly, quickly. Um, not all of our trees are evergreen. The ones that aren't are going to probably be leafless now. And that's fine. 
If they're leafless, that's how it goes. That's not a big deal. They'll put on new growth in the spring. All we got to do is wait for those conditions to occur, and away we go. The evergreen trees are still going to drop their leaves. They just do it later in the year, and they're dropping leaves while they're replacing leaves, and it's hard to tell if they're actually shedding leaves. Live oaks will do that. Leaves will be falling while new leaves are coming up. I have a what's called a canby oak, um, also known as a Sierra Red. It's easy to tell when it's putting on new leaves because the new leaves are red. Kind of backwards, right? Normally late in the year they would turn red and fall off. They don't, on mine, they turn red on the new growth. And it's um, a very attractive tree. It fights like crazy to stay evergreen. So far, it's won the battle. So far, it's it's won the battle, and it survived the uh, ice storm. So I would call that a pretty healthy tree to get to deal with. Yesterday... I transplanted a fig. Now, the stalks that didn't freeze to the ground were all of three foot tall. There were three main stalks, uh, almost three foot tall, and we dug it out of a patch because I had placed this fig 200 feet from the house it was never going to get any attention. So we dug it up and we moved it closer to the house. It's 20 feet from the back door now. And it's looking like it's early. It's too early to tell, but it's looking like it's going to do just fine. I will not expect to get any figs this year because of the shock of transplanting it. The tree will survive, the tree will do well, but that will be an issue that can't do a lot about. Just got to wait for it to reset. Let's go to the phone. This is Denise. Denise, what can I help you with? Hi, um, I have a question about my Monterey oak. You were talking about the live oaks losing their leaves and putting new ones out. And in the at the end of the summer, my Monterey oak, all the leaves started turning brown. They're still on the oak. And I was wondering, since I'm waiting, I continued watering it, taking care of it. But since I'm waiting for new leaves to come on, when could I expect to start seeing new leaves if it's going to live? This spring. You can go out there today and look at the branches and look at the tree buds on there. If you have new buds forming, that means you're going to get new leaves forming. Okay. And they'll stay they'll stand out. The tree branches should still be supple and it'll drop its leaves when it's ready to do so. But 
you could go out there and check now. You want to look for those new little buds up and down the branch. Um, squeeze one. Make sure it's not all crusty. But if it gives a little bit, if it's still green, you can even break one off and look to see if it's still green inside. If it is, you'll get those new leaves this spring. A Monterey tries really hard to stay evergreen, but it doesn't always win that battle. There are years where it's like, no, I'm going to drop my leaves. You just got to be patient with it. It should do just fine. If I don't see buds on it, you're saying they should have new buds on it right now. And if I don't see them, then I guess I may have lost the tree and will have to think about replacing it. You can think about replacing it, but you also should be uh, patient. They normally would leaf out in, like, March, those new buds. So be a little patient yet. Okay. I think you'll see that it'll recover. I will do that. I just wasn't sure what time of the year it it started putting on the new leaves and new buds. I knew it was spring, but I didn't know if I should start seeing buds by now or not. Uh, We're kind of spoiled with this weather. I mean, this this is March weather. It's so beautiful. But that... That doesn't mean that the trees see it that way yet. So we're we're we need to be patient. We'll be okay with this. All right. Well, thank you very much for your wisdom and your uh, giving me a little bit of hope there. Okay. Well, keep it up there, Denise. It should be fine. Thank you, folks. This is gardening naturally. I need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, gardeners. Let's go to the phone. This is Fernando. Fernando, what can I help you with? So um, I'm having a problem with my yard. So I rent a home here in Buda, and it's my responsibility to water the grass but, um, so we had a drought. You could only water it so much. And now they're trying to get me to put like new sod in. And, um, I also have a problem with my landlord has some people come to cut the grass and I always tell him that he's cutting it too short and that's what's letting the sun burn it down, you know, but, but I'm just wondering, so it's pretty much completely dead now. Um, what can I do? You think there's any seeds there or something? You think I can just keep watering or, or. Or should I just start replanting grass? Do you know what kind of grass it was? Yes, it was St. Augustine. Oh, okay. It may not be dead. St. Augustine does go dormant. In the winter temperatures, all the St. Augustine will turn brown. And it doesn't matter how much you water it. It's the temperature that's making it do that. Is it possible it'll come back? Um, Maybe, but you won't know for a while yet because we're still too cold, believe it or not, too cold for the St. Augustine grass to really get going. There is no St. Augustine seed. You've got to use sod. 
Okay. Are you there? Yep. Okay, so you're saying that there's something I can I can put on it now to help it out when it does t- come back? Yeah, you can try something that's it's relatively inexpensive. It's easy to apply. Look for something called Medina Soil Activator. You Medina usually can activator. find it, okay. You usually can find it even in a big box store, but your local nurseries will definitely carry it. It's okay. something that really boosts up the soil, increases the biology going on in the soil, and that is how you really get good turf. You give them all of the nutrients they need, and you know one application can make a difference. And when should I apply that? Like now, or should I wait till March? No, you can do it now. Oh, We're okay, not, good. We don't and, see uh, a what, freeze. What? So One more question. So our the 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 um, our front yard has a slope to it. Do you what do you? I've had people tell me that sometimes the water will like carry the the seedlings down, and that's why you know it doesn't really stay. What is your recommendation on that? Erosion can be a problem when you have a slope. What you want is a grass that does a good strong root. Bermuda is a little better than St. Augustine in that situation, Um, but you have to water differently. You can water at the top of the hill knowing that it's going to run downhill, so you don't have to water on the lower parts of the slope. That seems weird, but it saves you some effort there. But the better the grass the less runoff you're going to have there. And plants are not being washed down the hill. If it's something with a root, it's not going anywhere. What's being washed down the hill would be anything with seeds. So St. Augustine will help keep the erosion down, but um, you've got to be careful with how you water. You don't want to waste it, and you don't want to drown the grass. How often should you water and how long? Like St. Augustine in general needs an inch to an inch and a half of gra- uh, water per week. Oh, I see. Okay. And do that in the evenings, I'm assuming, right? Not in the middle of the day. Um, normally, they won't let you water past. 10 a.m., I think it is, or before 7 p.m., if it's the summer. It depends on your local community's water restrictions. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, I really appreciate your help, and I'll definitely go by that, Medina, uh, soil activator. You bet. Try it out. You'll see that we'll start to improve the turf. I appreciate your help. Thank you, sir. Thanks for the call. Let's go to the phone. This is uh, this is Neville. Neville, what can I help you with? Hi there. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Um, unfortunately, I can't hear you very well, which is odd. But anyway, I'll give you my question and try and listen. It is um, I have a zoysia lawn. It's pretty good. Uh, 
I've got an infiltration of dandelion, some thistle, and something that looks like parsley. Not awful, but it's there. I'm wondering about uh, weed and feed application to take care of that broadleaf on the grass. Is it too late or too early? We and never recommend weed and feed. Weed and feed has chemicals in it that go to the water table and affect the wildlife, the biology, etc. There are spot treatment organic weed killers. They're non-selective. So you want to spray just the stuff you want to kill. But there's a whole host of those available that you can use now that will take care of those weeds for you. And as always, the best way to control the weed is to pull it out of the ground. That's not convenient in a lot of cases, but you can use the spray, uh, the spray types that will take care of that weed for you. They'll burn the weed out so that it's not visible in the lawn anymore. Okay, I was able to hear you. Thank you. You bet. Uh, thanks for the call, Neville. Folks, uh, I'm not going to recommend weed and feeds. They, they have some really nasty stuff in them that I don't want to expose my grandkids or my pets or things like that to. You're welcome to choose it yourself. Just make informed choices. And understand, follow the directions to the letter. Don't make the assumption that if I spray twice as much, it'll work twice as fast or be twice as effective because it will not. If you're going to use some of these conventional fertilizers and controls like that, follow the instructions to the letter. If it says mix two ounces to a gallon of water, that's exactly what you want to do. Don't overdose on that stuff. I would hope that you not use it. You know what? A few weeds is not making your lawn look ugly. But if it really gets to you, step one, it is always the most expensive the uh, most effective thing to do is to pull the weed out, especially before it gets a flower bud making seeds. Next, there are spot treatments that you only have to be careful to spray just the weed because it'll kill the grass too. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Um, I hope you all have an amazing weekend. The weather looks so good, other than being windy, it looks fantastic for this week. I will talk to you all again next Saturday at 9 o'clock. Have a good week.